doing that. Uh, I recently had a difficult conversation with someone who was disappointed in me. This person had been going through and has been going through a really difficult time in their life. They've had uh, problems with work and their career. Uh, some key relationships in their life have been kind of broken and strained. And, uh, and this person really was expressing that they didn't feel like I had done enough to show that I cared for them and uh, hadn't done anything to really help them. And uh, it was a really difficult conversation. The truth is, uh, he had a point. I could have done more. There's, I could have reached out to him sooner. There's certainly some things that I could have done to, uh, to be more encouraging and more present in his life. It was a tough conversation to have. And at the same time, I know this, that, that when people are hurt, when they're going through a difficult time, when there's pain in their life, um, many times when, when people are going through a difficult situation, they will pick up rocks and throw them at other people in their life. And that's just something that, that happens. And um, I knew that in part, he was uh, projecting some of his hurt and some of his pain on me. And you know, um, it's easy to get defensive when someone picks up some rocks and throws them at you. It's easy to kind of just position yourself and, and kind of get your back up and, and try to, you know, make your case known and your side of things and make, bring across your defense. And um, managing conflict and tension and strained relationships is a crucial skill that we have to learn in life. And when you find yourself in a tough conversation, you have a choice between trying to defend yourself or realize that many times... When someone is lashing out at you, it actually has very little to do with you. And many times it's, it's the pain and the hurt and the things that are coming out. And I know more than anything that this person was feeling alone and isolated and really needed someone to just listen, someone to talk to. That was the main point of need in their life. And so early in the conversation, I decided to own my own part and ask for forgiveness and apologize on behalf of, of, of things that I had done or didn't do. And I really sought to ask for forgiveness and reconcile early into the conversation. And it really changed the course of the whole meeting. And it really allowed the conversation. It's like, you know, when you're, you just, it just like, it just kind of let out the air in the room so we could breathe a little bit. And we weren't so kind of jacked up and all like ready to kind of, it was like, it just by extending a little bit of grace and a little bit of just some, you know, some, some compassion and some connection, uh, I just felt like it disarmed the whole scenario. Proverbs 17.9 says, love prospers when a fault is forgiven, but dwelling on it separates even close friends. Our reactions have a great impact on what happens in a strained relationship. When emotions are high, we can make things worse by building a higher wall, by lashing out and, and defending ourselves, by taking shots back, by picking up our own rocks and hurling them back at the person. And, and how we act, how we react in those scenarios can add fuel to the fire or it can help just kind of extinguish things and calm them down. I wish, and I don't know when it happens, like I, I'm sure a number of you who are in your young adult years have begun to figure this out, but I have three daughters, two of them are teenagers. They have no idea how not to add fuel to the fire. Like these two, 
it, you know, things escalate and get out of hand really quickly, really, really fast. And it's like at, at, at a moment's notice, they know what buttons to push and what to do. And everything is like, when you're 15 or you're 13, is everything just like at the world's end? Everything is drama. Everything is like extreme. And so every little, you know, fight or spat or headbutt that they have with one another, it's like, whoosh, out come the claws. And I just, I'm just, I want to be in the corner sucking my thumb, just hoping that my kids get through their teenage years okay. And um, things escalate really fast. And I think one of the things of of growing into adulthood and growing into maturity and growing into those things is learning that it's not always about who's right and who's wrong and, and, and defending yourself. And, all, and it's actually learning the, the ability and the skill and, and the strength of learning to extend grace and not so much keeping score, but learning that how we, we can actually bring the peace of Jesus into a situation and into a conversation. And so our actions and our reactions have a great impact on what happens in a strained relationship. Uh, every one of us has gone through a conflict. I know that. Every single person here has had a falling out, had a, a breakdown in a friendship or a relationship. And uh, we will all face that again in the future. Every one of us is going to face it. We're going to let someone down. Somebody's going to let us down. And it happens in our life. And it's probably not a stretch to assume that in a room with this many people here tonight, that many of you would be able to think of at least one relationship in your life right now, like right happening, where you're either kind of, you've kind of pulled back, maybe it's a relationship that's broken and it's, it's not even existed, maybe it's a relationship that you know is strained and it's kind of a little bit of that, that passive aggressive where you haven't really talked about it, but you both know that there's some tension and some issues there and you just do enough to kind of let the person know that you're not really happy with them, but you don't really actually work at fixing it and solving it. And I would say that many of us could think of someone and a relationship in our life where there's tension, where it's strained, and there's some, there's some problems there. It's part of the package of being in the human race. Unless you move into a bush cabin north of Tuktoyaktuk and live off the grid, it's a real place, tuk-tuk-tuk. You are going to actually have other people cause pain in your life. And guess what? You will cause pain in other people's lives. Because we can't live and exist totally isolated from other people. And so one of the most uh, powerful skills and things that we can learn is how to navigate when our relationships are strained, how to learn to be gracious, how to extend the love and the forgiveness and the grace of Jesus into situations and into scenarios uh, when they become difficult. It's how to uh, have strong, healthy relationships and boundaries. We're actually starting a series on Tuesday nights, starting on March 7th. It's gonna run for six weeks, Tuesday nights at seven o'clock to 8.30 here, it's a great series. I encourage all of you to think about taking a part of it. It's gonna be from seven to 8.30 with a little bit of a video and some learning discussion times and, and some small group breakout times. 
and it is called Created for Connection, and it's a series based purely on developing boundaries and relationships, healthy relationship skills, how to become strong in your own relationships. It's not just about dating or marriage or engaged. It's about every kind of relationship that you can have. It's really about understanding who you are and how you can interact and, and, and be a blessing and, uh, and a strength in other people's lives. And it's really worth doing and checking out. And it's one of the things that we are most tested in. It's one of the things that comes up and sneaks up on us is how we act and how quickly we are to maybe react in the wrong way when things aren't going well in our relationships. And so we're in a series that is uh, taken from the parable of the sower and the seed in Matthew 13. And in this series that we've been on, there's the seed of the kingdom of God that comes into different lives, into the soil of our hearts, is this parable. And we know that there's many kinds of soil where it doesn't, the, the, the kingdom of God, the seed of God's kingdom can't get in and can't grow. But there is, in this, in this parable, good soil, where the seed of God's kingdom gets in and it grows 30, 50, even 100-fold. And it's like God's kingdom can flourish because it finds good, fertile soil. And it would be my conviction that um, learning to be a person who can forgive others and can model the grace and extend the grace of Jesus is one of the best ways to bring fertile soil into your heart, to turn your heart and to turn your life into the kind of, of spirit and environment where God's kingdom can come in and it can flourish. And it's, it's linked to God working in your heart. Uh, the example of Christ calling us uh, to learn, Jesus calls us to learn how to love those who have hurt us. It's this example of Christ that we see. It's modeled in his life and his ministry. And um, it's, we're called to be peacemakers. We're called to, when we're in difficult situations, we're the ones that are called as Christians to bring the peace of God and to bring reconciliation into that relationship. And it's, it's ironic because um, many times we're not known for our love. We can be known for our protests and our stands and all those kinds of things. But the call of Christ is to be a peacemaker. And so uh, what does Jesus, why does he call us to forgive? What is, what is he saying? What is he, what is he getting at? What's this about? Why would he, he ask us to forgive others? And what is forgiveness? And um, one of the things is I think forgiveness creates a stronger self. And this is in contrast to what popular culture would often present forgiveness as, which forgiveness, it would present forgiveness as a, a weaker place. But what happens is when we extend forgiveness and we extend grace to other people, it actually is a strengthening thing for our own life. You see, when we hold on to pain, it leaks a toxicity into every other area of our life and our heart. It's commonly accepted by therapists and counselors and people who work in emotional and mental health industries and practices, people who are providing care for others at an emotional uh, capacity, it's commonly accepted that there's no such thing as selective pain management and selective numbing. And some of you have gone through some of your, your courses at university, probably have been exposed to some of this idea and some of this understanding. And what it means is that you can't take one relationship in one area of your heart and just kind of close it off and make it cold and not deal with it because that in eventually 
that pain and that hurt and that coldness and that cynicism and all those things, they're gonna spill over into the other relationships in your life. The pain will always spill over. We can't just keep ourselves isolated. We think we're being protective and we're, we're, we're guarding ourselves and we're holding on to this hurt. It doesn't work that way. And what happens is the more we dwell on pain, the more we dwell on those kinds of experiences, the more power we give that thing in our life. Hear this, okay? The more you dwell on the pain and the hurt and the disappointments in your life, the more power you will give those things over your heart. Unforgiveness keeps us chained to the person or the experience. We live under the ongoing oppression of the hurt and the moment. Think about the moments when you've been hurt and you've been wronged. You think there's shame washes over you. Like, I can't believe that happened. I can't believe that person did that. I can't believe I didn't see that coming. How could I have been so stupid? I, how did that happen to me? And all of all the things, all that, that panic and that anxiety and that hurt and that shame, all those things that we go through in that moment, the more we dwell on it, the more we don't deal with it, the greater it grows and it keeps us chained to those feelings and it stirs those things up. We hold on to the past defenses to remind us of how bad it hurts because we think it will protect us from it happening again. And what happens is unforgiveness is actually a natural defense mechanism that we put out, that we throw out in order to kind of try to self-preserve us. But we think we're protecting ourselves, but the irony is, is that unforgiveness causes more harm to the person who's holding on to it. That old cliche is true that unforgiveness is like drinking poison and waiting for your enemy to die. It's counterintuitive, but forgiving someone actually takes away their power over your life. Now, I've been hitting the gym, you can tell, since uh, the new year, since January. So um, this is a real rock. Yes, your pastor is ripped. <laughs> Let me just set that up here because it's really heavy. When you go through an experience where you're hurt and, and you, you've been wronged and pain comes your way, you know what it's like? It's like someone throws and hurls a giant emotional rock at you and it hits you and you, sometimes you don't even see it coming. Like sometimes you're like, you just turn around and poof, and it hits you. And this thing will knock you down. It will send you flying. In fact, you might even land on your back and this thing will like land on top of you and crush you. And you could be laying there thinking, what in the world just happened? How did that happen to me? Where did that come from? And someone will throw this thing at you and it hits you and it hurts. When you're hurt by someone and you hold on to the offense, what it's like is it's like picking up this rock again and carrying it around. What unforgiveness is, is unforgiveness is picking up the offense and holding on to it and not letting it go. 
try to get through life holding on to this thing. It's not easy. And you know what happens? It's not easy to preach and read your notes when you're carrying this big rock either, but other people can see it. And it affects everything you do. It affects every relationship you're in. It affects your work ethic. It affects your attitude, your demeanor. Carrying around this thing, everybody else in the world can see it too. And you know what? It, it, it will slow you down. It will hinder you. It will limit you. And it will affect every area of your life. And you think that you're doing yourself a favor by picking up that offense and holding on to it. But it is actually a hurtful, destructive thing. The Greek word for forgiveness is aphi-ami. The Greek word in the scripture, when it says forgive, forgive others, is aphi-ami. What aphi-ami literally is translated as is put down, let go, lay aside, and leave behind. When the Bible says forgive that person. What God is saying to you is he's saying, don't carry that offense around anymore. Take it and lay it aside. Put it down. Leave it behind. That is the picture of what biblical forgiveness represents. Stop carrying around the hurt and the offense and the person and the experience and the shame and the pain and all of those things. Lewis Smees is a great author. He says, to forgive is to set a prisoner free and discover that the prisoner was you. And so we often think that forgiveness is weakness, but it's not. Laying down the thing that hurt you is a courageous act of getting control and power back over that thing in your life. You're actually breaking the hold and breaking the pattern and breaking the cycles of that thing in your heart because you're not carrying it around anymore. It's not gonna dictate how you're gonna live anymore. And that's what it means to forgive someone. It's to release that thing. It's to let them go, to let that experience go and lay it aside. And so... There's a practical reason why Jesus says that you should forgive. Another reason is forgiveness honors Jesus. Not only does extending grace and forgiveness to others have a practical benefit, but it does bring honor to Jesus. Matthew 6, 14, 15 says this. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. Okay, this is, a, this is a hard couple of verses. We, we, we'd like to just skip over this one and maybe find it in a different version that isn't so clear. It's, this is a difficult one. Maybe try to explain it away in the Greek and that Jesus doesn't really mean this and think about different angles. And, but this is a heavy verse. And you know what it shows? Is it highlights the importance that Jesus places on forgiving other people. And there's a reason. In Matthew 18 is the parable of the, the debtor. There's a story, there's a parable of a man who owes someone 
millions of dollars and he has no way ever of paying it back. It would have been 145,000 years salary to pay back the debt. It was an impossible sum, could never be paid back. The man calls his accounts in order and he's gonna sell him and his wife and his children into slavery and close their account and just try to get some money out of it. And the man begs and he pleads for forgiveness and mercy. He says, please have mercy on me. Give me more time. I'll do whatever, I'll do whatever I can. Please have mercy on me. And the, and the man forgives him his debt. Sets him free. It's a wonderful story, a wonderful miracle. Until just a couple verses later where that man who was just forgiven the debt is owed a small paltry sum of money by somebody else. And he just won't let the guy go and he imprisons him and he beats him and he comes down on him. And of course, the other, the original debtor, he, he hears the story. He says, you wicked, wicked servant, how could you do such a thing? I forgave you. I released you from that debt, from that burden. How could you, for such a small amount, hold account and not forgive someone else? And what we see in the parable, what we see in the ministry of Jesus and the life of Jesus is something very important. And this is why it's important that Jesus would say you need to forgive other people. Because we extend, there is an expectation for us to extend the same grace to other people that Jesus extends to us. And when we fail to do that, what we are doing is we are actually telling Jesus that we don't understand what you really forgave us from. We're actually telling Jesus we didn't comprehend, we don't really get Maybe our sin isn't that bad. We, we, we fail to understand the size and the scope of our own sin that Jesus has forgiven us. See, when you bring your stuff to Jesus, you, you bring it to Jesus, and you give it to him. You say, Jesus, here's my brokenness. Here's my lostness. Here's my shame. Here's my fear. Here's myself all trying to do it myself. I just, Lord, I, be, I want to believe in you. We have all that language, you know, come into my heart, I want to be a Christian, I invite you in. However you want to say it or explain it, the gospel of Jesus of becoming born again is a process where you actually take your sin and you hand it over to Jesus. And you know what Jesus does? The biblical example of forgive is Jesus takes that and he lays it down. Jesus doesn't carry around your sin. Jesus laid it aside and he left it behind. And when we fail to do that for other people, we are actually telling Jesus that we don't really understand and we don't really get the scope of what you've done for us. And there's a breakdown. And you see, every good and perfect gift comes from Jesus. The entire Christian faith is contingent on the forgiveness of sins. It's made possible by the cross and the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning and he's the finisher of our faith. He's the author and the perfecter of our faith. The scripture says that everything is by him, through him, for him. Jesus is it. And it all happens because he extends forgiveness and grace to us. And it is a disservice to our own lives and it's a disservice to our faith relationship in Jesus. It's a disservice to his accomplishments on the cross 
when we hold on to unforgiveness. But in contrast, when we extend forgiveness, when we take someone else's pain and hurt and all that stuff, we set it down, we say, I forgive you, I lay it down, we are actually honoring Jesus. We are making a clear, bold statement to Jesus to say, I understand what you did. I understand your forgiveness. I understand your love. And I will reciprocate that and I will mirror that back to the world around me. And one of the best ways to honor the cross and the resurrection and the work and the ministry of Jesus is to extend forgiveness and grace to others. I'm gonna get the team to come. We're gonna get ready to close tonight. Uh, I wanna give you just a couple of quick things, just really practical things. If you, have your, if you wanna take some notes, your iPhone or whatever you got there, your Android, and uh, these are just a couple of really simple sentences of some things that forgiveness is not, some things that, that help you understand forgiveness. One is that forgiveness is not a removal of the consequence of sin. There's a story in 2 Samuel 12 which tells the story of King David committing adultery and murder and all kinds of evil stuff in his heart. And Nathan the prophet comes and he, and he, and he, and he, he confronts King David. And King David's response actually is he repents he says, oh God, just I, I repent of my ways to you. And he's forgiven. But Nathan actually still says, because of your sin, there are some consequences and there are some things that David can't do and some things he's stuck with because of what he did, even though the Lord forgave him of his sin. And so forgiveness is not the removal of all the consequences of sin. Another thing is that forgiveness is not trusting you see, trust can be lost quickly, but it is rebuilt slowly. If your boyfriend hit you, forgiving him does not mean that you have to stay with him, that you have to trust him. There's a difference. If you are burned in a business deal, because I know many of you are in high stakes business for yourselves, but if you're burned in a business deal or someone takes advantage of you, forgiving that person does not mean that you need to reinvest with them and get back into business with them and trust them in that way. Those are different things. Trust is rebuilt slowly over time. Forgiveness can be offered in an, in an instant. And the third is that forgiveness is not contingent upon reunion. Forgiving someone does not mean that the relationship has to return to the way it was before the offense happened. Forgiving someone doesn't mean it's all fine and all patched up and everything's good and normal and it's like none of that stuff took place. I think reconciliation is always best when it can happen but we know that it doesn't always happen. Sometimes too much has gone on, time has moved on, life has moved on. Sometimes it's not possible. Romans 12, eight says, as much as it depends on you, you live at peace with the other person. You do what you can do. What you're asked for is to do your part to extend grace, to live at peace with the other person. But when there are two people involved, reconciliation isn't always possible. It doesn't always work itself out. 
But you know what? You can forgive people. You can actually take this thing that you're carrying around and you can say, you know what? Jesus, I forgive that person. And you can set that thing down and you can let go of it. And it doesn't mean that you have to be reconciled back into everything was normal and just the way it was in that relationship. But you can just lay it aside. And sometimes you need some wisdom from the Holy Spirit to know when to do that, how to do that, what's the best way. And it can be complicated and it can be messy, but we rely on the Holy Spirit to guide us in that. And so everything about the kingdom of Jesus is made possible by the forgiveness of, his sin, of, our, of our sins. And forgiving someone is letting it go. It's putting it aside. I want to just pray for you tonight before we, we uh, close the service. Would you just bow your heads for a moment? We do this, I think, fairly, fairly regularly. We're just kind of going to a moment of prayer and just kind of invite you. Would you just look, look into your heart, look into your relationships, look into your life right now. What relationships are you carrying around that hurt? And those emotional rocks and those things that have been hurled at you. And maybe you don't even know how it happened, but you know there's some strain and there's some tension. Might be with your parents or a parent or a friend or pastor or professor, somebody at work. There are so many relationships that we have with people. Which ones need the grace of Jesus upon them? Which ones would benefit from you bringing forgiveness and grace? How is it hurting and affecting you? Which offense have you been carrying around and holding tight, clutching to, and not letting go? And I'd encourage you tonight to understand that the Holy Spirit would say to you and whisper to you, would you just forgive? Would you just put that thing down so that you can run free? Because you're not free by holding on to it. Just think and let the Holy Spirit just minister to you. We're gonna just, I'm not gonna say anything. We're just gonna pause for a minute. I want you to think and to pray and ask the Lord to show you. Ask the Holy Spirit to show you in this moment. just as we're praying tonight if you're aware maybe, maybe the Lord showed you something 
somebody, a relationship that you know you need to offer forgiveness and grace to. I'm going to pray for you, but I'm going to get you to slip, slip your hand up as a way of just saying, Jesus, that I identify with that. There is somebody. There is something. I don't want that thing and that person to have power over me. I want to let that go. Father, I pray for those that would tonight say that, Jesus, they have somebody in their life that they need to forgive. Lord, I pray that you would give us courage to set that thing down and to stop carting it around and carrying it around and clutching to it. Lord, where there has been hurt and pain, I pray, God, that you would allow us to be courageous enough to forgive people, to set that offense down, to stop carrying it around. And Jesus, I pray that you would give us insight and wisdom that would come from the Holy Spirit to know what to do, what steps to take moving forward. And I pray, God, that you would give us courage to be ones that would honor you and model the forgiveness of Jesus to the rest of the world around us. Help us, God, to do that. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for being a part of our our time tonight. We're gonna just close by worshiping together. And uh, I'm gonna get you to stand. We just uh, invite you to stand for a moment. And uh, we're just gonna worship out of our heart, worship out of response back to the Lord. And uh, maybe just be thinking about some of those things and some of those relationships and some of those things the Lord is speaking to you and stirring and, and just kind of bring them to the Lord and uh, walk in his forgiveness and, and, uh, and the forgiveness of others. And we'll close in just a minute. But let's take a moment of collective worship and response back to Jesus. Jesus.